Welcome, welcome, welcome. You are here. We're one day away from the start of the NFL season. I got my guy Ryan Hammer with me. We're going to talk NFL, Thursday Night Football, try to predict the score, some other things. And also, we're going to talk Jets. I don't talk Jets a whole lot on this show, but my guy Ryan Hammer is a Jets fan to the core. So we're going to talk about it. And then we also got some breaking news, too, that's coming in. So stay tuned. Got a jam-packed episode for you guys. You're watching the Justin Henry Show on YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter. Make sure you follow on all social media platforms. Welcome to the show, my man, Ryan. Ryan Hammer, man, friend of the man. We always have a good time. We chop it up. First time on the show, but we've interacted sure. before, man. Definitely have a good working relationship. Ryan, how you doing, man? Hey, man, I appreciate you having me on. You know, we got the NFL season coming up. and I, You know, I'm a basketball guy at heart, but basketball, football, soccer, so I'm all over, so I'm ready. You know, basketball, we'll, I definitely got to have you on when basketball season comes in. <laughs> By far, one of the most knowledgeable person, people that I've ever interacted with on the hoop scene that didn't like play in the league. So for me, man, always a pleasure to have you on when it comes to hoop, but football too. I know yeah. you're a Jets fan, so we're going to be talking about that. We Actually, I want to start off with that. Um, the section's called Just In, where we talk about breaking news, obviously. Let's get into it. Joe Flacco. <laughs> Joe Flacco week one, baby. It's not Zach Wilson. We know, you know, he got obviously injured in the preseason, but yeah. Flacco is here. Revenge game season against the Ravens. How are you feeling about Joe Flacco starting week one, Ryan? I was fully anticipating that he it was going to be Flacco because, like, as positive as that Zach Wilson news was, considering how bad the magnitude of the injury could have been in preseason, yeah. um, to even have a consideration, like, it was going to be Flacco the whole time. But I was hopeful Zach would be week two, week three. Now it's week four, they said, is the earliest. And I was like, oh, no, that's that got me a little worried. Um, because I don't know if Flacco's going to make it four weeks and might end up seeing some more Mike White. So I I just like – I don't know. I don't really care. I'd rather Flacco play, honestly, because we probably wouldn't win either way. I'd want Wilson to play, obviously, but there's no reason if he's not 100% ready. Uh, maybe a revenge game. You never know. Yeah, it may be a revenge game. I doubt it. But Mike White, we saw him <laughs> last year. He looked good for like one game, and then after yeah. that, the rails came off. So hopefully, I mean, Robert Saylor said uh, Joe Flacco is the could be a starter in this league. Yeah. You think he's going to play well <laughs> or not? You think it's going to be no it's week good. four? He's done. It's going to be yeah. I don't think he makes it to week four. It's going to be a tough. Like I watched him last year. Obviously, it's another year in the system, understanding things, but. More weapons too, better O line a little bit, but it, it's gonna be a lot of checkdowns, a lot of short routes and stuff, a lot of running the ball, which we do have Brees with Carter now, which helps. So I think they're gonna try to make things easy. Like the, it's a lot of Niners staff members, so like they, yeah. you're, you know, obviously you know the Niners. They, what they have done for Jimmy Garoppolo in the last few years, they have made it simple for him. They made yes. it easy for him to win and just do the simple things. I think that's what the Jets are gonna try to do with Flacco. I don't think he's. I don't think Jimmy G's great, but I don't think Flacco is on that level because like I don't think he's a starting quarterback quality right now. Yeah. Um, but I think they're gonna try to make it as simple as possible for him. Yeah, I think I I hope so, man. Cause there's there's actually a lot of talent on the Jets, and we'll get into them in a little bit. Um, and you always want to make your quarterbacks look elite, and that's not what happened in Seattle, according to Russell Wilson. And there's some animosity there. Uh, and the reason why he left, he was trying to win the according to reports, he was trying to win that 2019 MVP award when he had that really hot stretch. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you make of this breakup? Because there seems to be a lot of things coming out about this now. The Monday night matchup is here. We're gonna see Russ yeah. back in Denver uh, on Monday or back in Seattle on Monday night. What do you make of this? I don't know. It's it's kind of weird. Like 
it comes out of nowhere almost it felt like but that, that was the one that like they were talking about Baker back at the Browns even people were talking about Flacco I, I did not see a lot of people talking about Russ going back to Seattle when like that was the biggest trade of the offseason really yeah. saw so I, I, it's it's kind of weird but um I don't know I'm ready for it yeah I'm ready for it too is is weird because like I feel like I don't know how the Seattle fans are gonna react like right. is that that's somebody you can't boo like you legit <laughs> no can't shot. boo Russ for what he did for that franchise. Yeah. How do you go and boo Russell Wilson? Uh, to me, I hope that they embrace him. I understand it was a bad breakup, but right. I, I Seattle deserves nothing. But they better right. show him love. I'll be kind of pissed if they boo him. Not gonna lie. There's maybe because of these like this report or some stupid stuff going on. They might, like, but I feel like the majority won't do that. I don't know. I they can't. You're right. They can't. They can't. They can't. They can't. Man and. Um, you know, I guess kind of talking about friction between teams, Russ and Pat Bev, man. We knew that obviously Pat Bev went to the Lakers. I'm a huge Laker fan. I got some Lakers set around here somewhere, yeah. probably in the background. But Russ and Pat Bev obviously have a big history of not liking each other, talking shit to each other, injuries. I don't know how they happened. I'm not going to yeah. say it's somebody's fault. But they met up yesterday for the first time, and we seen them dap up. Are we overreacting to this, or is this going to be a nightmare all season? I feel like it's happened. This happened before. Like even guys that aren't on the same, they don't like unite on the same team, where they have beef. People think it's like a lot, if anyone who who plays sports at all, or not just at the basketball game, anything, you know, like if you have beef with people on the on the court, on the floor, on the field, whatever it is, like afterward, like things do change, especially on the pro level, and like that's their job, their livelihood. So I think. It does go beyond that. Now these two definitely haven't liked each other, but yeah. like even even Dejounte and Paolo, like this summer, it was a little bit weird. It's not like a straight up comparison, but like they had all this weird stuff going on in social media, and then they linked up again at the crossover. They dapped up, and that was it. They and they talked for a second, and it was over. So yeah. like I feel like it goes beyond what people think it is. Um, but I feel I don't know. Maybe Russ is more heated with the situation that he might have to compete for more PT now. That's true, too. Like, because Pat, he came in there talking mad shit, bro. He was like, oh, uh, LeBron and AD got to play with me because I went to the playoffs <laughs> last year. Like, those guys, like, they don't have a ring. But that's we're just gonna, Pat. I feel like yeah. that's what it does. Like, <laughs> we're uh... going to completely ignore the ring that they got. <laughs> Pat Bev don't. Like, to me, when I look at the Russ, the Westbrook and Bat, Pat Bev type thing, I feel like it actually helps out Russ because now it gives him somebody in the backcourt who can guard some of those point guards. He's not going to have to take on that responsibility as much anymore. Yeah. Um, but the injury, I think some things you can't get over. And I truly feel like outside of the magician chalk, uh, magician talk, oh, he tricks you guys. Like, I think outside of that, there's something in the back of Westbrook's head that's probably never going to let that shit go. Like, you got yeah. me hurt. I was out for the year because of you. Like, I just don't see the beef dying. I could see it being problematic throughout the year. But yeah. I think they coast. I think they can at least play with each other. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be a, a problem, especially with, like, with – like personalities and uh, I guess like figures of like LeBron in the locker room, like no way he lets anything like that ha go wrong. Like the Lakers have had some struggles. Like, you know, the Lakers have had some struggles the last couple of years outside of the bubble championship, but like they, LeBron is still going to keep them right and keep them in line and stuff like that. And that's the last thing I'm worried about. Yeah, we'll see. They got there's a lot of shit going on with the with the Lakers, bro. A lot of drama, always some off season drama. So hopefully it's gone, man. Uh, but back to football, man. Week one, week one is here. What are you most excited for this NFL season? Because there's a lot of, you know, storylines, things have changed. Outside of the Jets, is there anything week one you're like, I'm ready for? Is it your fantasy team, real football? What you got? 
Yeah, I don't know. Fantasy, definitely, I think just like the overall vibe of the fall season and stuff. In the Northeast, especially, like the weather changes so much. And the, like little things like that, I'm super pumped about. But football specific, um, I like there's so many good games this week. I feel like I think the largest spread is six and a half or seven and a half for the Jets Ravens. And then like I think there's one other game that's like that. But everything is like tight spreads, tight lines, good games. Fantasy, I'm obviously super pumped for. I feel like I went super wild this year with like the tight ends and tight end and stuff like that and young guys. So I'm excited for hopefully some breakout seasons. A little bit different than you typically go. Yeah, I, I like to I like to play safe usually, especially in the early rounds of drafts, just because like you don't draft scared, but like you win your drafts by drafting like the mid round receivers in eight, nine, ten and stuff like that. I truly believe that. Um, but I went like one league. I went like Kelsey as a keeper and then Pitts in round three and like just to get wild. So well, double tight end. That's crazy, <laughs> man. Well, yeah. let's let's get into some of these lines. I know you mentioned like some of the odds, whatever. But let's talk about Thursday night football. Let's get into yeah. uh, at least just talking the total, talking the number. Even if you don't have a strong lean, look it into it. So, uh, this section's called straight up. Straight up, presented by Picket Sports, where you can get $3 or $100 just by downloading the app and linking your uh, linking your sports book. Use the code JHEN with a 3 instead of an E to download and track all your bets on the Picket app. Now, when we look at the line for the Bills, it's minus 2.5 points. The Rams are at home. Um, talk to me, Ryan. What's your thoughts overall on this game? I don't know. I feel like I want. I like the home dogs idea, especially Super Bowl champions and and the Rams. But the Bills, the Bills. I think the Bills are Super Bowl favorite right now, like six hundred or something like that. Um, I don't know. People just want the big, the leap to continue for the Bills, and like they don't even need to make a huge leap. Like they are a Super Bowl team. They were last year. Uh, I just like I want. I would go Bills if I was going to take it. I probably won't touch the spread either way. Even the total, I'd probably lean under because I think everyone wants to go over for these two yeah. teams. Like they're yeah. like over, 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 over. So I would lean under simply because of that. But um, I want to say the Bills are going to win. That's my guess. So total sitting at 52 and a half right now. And so you're right. Like there's a lot of people mm -hmm. that are going to push the over. It's one of the highest totals for the week. But when I look at the storylines, like that start, you know, the Bills obviously are in revenge mode. Right. Uh, at 13 seconds on the clock, everybody's expecting them to come back and be the, the super dominant team. Um, and they've retooled. Obviously, they lost a couple key weapons there on the offensive side, but then they brought back – um, they actually brought in new talent as well in the draft. They got James Cook. They signed uh, Jamison Crowder in the offseason, letting Isaiah McKenzie get into a more developed role. Just re-signed Dawson Knox today to a monster deal at tight end. Mm -hmm. uh, so he's locked in. And then the Rams have been kind of dysfunctional. Like, we saw Aaron Donald almost retired. Like, Matt Stafford has the, the elbow stuff going on. Uh. I, I'm really starting to think that, like, the Bills – I'm not buying into this hype that they're just going to dominate the NFL this year, but I do mm. think that they'll play well this week. I think that Rams defense, though, is probably licking their chops a little bit. So I'm going to roll with you. I'm going to roll with the under on this one. But if I had to pick a side, I'm not going with the home dogs. I'm going to go with the <laughs> Bills and take the favorite. Yeah, I think one of the things I, I think about this game are like, I know Tredavious White isn't healthy, but the Bills still have good DBs. Jordan Poyer feels good. Um, Jalen Ramsey, obviously, on the other side. I think right. because of that, and the premier receivers on both sides, Stephon Diggs and Cooper Cup, they're going to get theirs, like, no matter what. Like, I think everybody knows that they're going to have their way a little bit. But I think the strong wide receiver twos, Gabe Davis and Allen Robinson, are going to, yeah. like, I like them as touchdown scorers. I like their props. I like them just to have a really good night. And in terms of even fantasy, like, if you own those guys, it could be, like, a, a sell high after week one type situation. Um, I just think that those are two guys who are, are going to have good years. I think they're great keeps all year. 
but I think that they're going to have huge nights tomorrow night. So Yeah, so what you mentioned as far as yardage, right? So for guys, we're obviously that Stephon Diggs, Jalen Ramsey matchup, he's at 66.5 receiving yards right now. Gabriel Davis on the other side is 56.5 receiving yards, both of those on prize picks. How are you feeling about those those totals? That's tight. You said 66 for Diggs? Dig, yeah, Diggs is 66.5 against Ramsey, which will be tough, but doable. Yeah. And then Gabe Davis on the other side, 56.5. I saw we saw a lot of the Rams. Rams would put like Ramsey always wants the best guy to match up against, but they would put him in zone a lot and like almost like limit him off on an island somewhere at times away from the receivers, which yeah. I know he got very frustrated about. But I feel like they're not going to let him go away from Diggs. Like they need they need him all over him. Um, I would ride with Gabe Davis. This Diggs one obviously screams to go over, but I would probably ride with the Davis one on prize picks. I'll probably yeah. get prize picks in like an hour after this too. Yeah, like, okay, it, now I got <laughs> you got. I mean, to be honest, that number seems really good. Like yeah. Gabe Davis at fifty six because I feel like they're gonna have to throw away from Ramsey. They're not gonna attack Ramsey, obviously, and he is right. the guy that's gonna be the biggest beneficiary out of Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders leaving. So right. um, we talked about this a little bit on yesterday's show, and it's like I think Gabe Davis could have that breakout game, and you alluded to it. In fantasy, that actually might, might be the opportune time to sell high because somebody else is going to say, oh, Gabe Davis is going to be a top 15 Oof. receiver now. You know, Every so- year it happens in the early weeks. Every It happened with – I'll never forget it happened with Juju. I did it with in every league possible. They yep. played the Giants. I think it was like two years ago at this point. He had like a great first two weeks. Now I, I trade him in every single league, and then he just plummeted. Yep. So, it's a smart it thing to do. Yeah. And then Diggs. And then Diggs, would you go under on the 66.5? I don't know. I would never bet Diggs under ever. <laughs> but I wouldn't bet the over either. You know what I'm saying? Facts. Like, ah, that's tough. Because like 66 is not that much though for Diggs. Like he's gonna get his a minimum, like minimum six, seven targets at the least, I feel right. like. So well, know. we're talking about 66 yards for Diggs and then 56 yards for Gabe Davis. Tight. Josh Allen's total is sitting at 275 right now, total passing yards. And so mm. it doesn't leave. I mean, that's a we're talking about 120 yards between those two guys. That's an extra 160 yards for the rest of the team. You think he hits that number? I don't know. Two, that's a lot see, of yards against this Rams tight. team. Yeah, I think they're with James Cook and with Josh Allen, they're going to use a running game like a decent amount and the lack of receivers that they have. They only have like those two guys and like Dawson Knox is obviously solid. Yeah. Um, it's another one that I would never go. I would never be like, I'm taking the Josh Allen under, but I won't take the over on it. Yeah, because he's got the arm. Story. I mean, he could do that in two, three throws. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's why I'm like, I'm not. I refuse to go against Josh. There's certain players I'll never bet against, but I won't bet for him either. Right. Well, you mentioned the other wide receiver twos being strong, and obviously the the Rams brought in Allen Robinson to kind of compliment. So he should expect somewhere between seven to nine targets. It's about what Robert Woods and OBJ were doing last year as the number two receiver for the Rams. Uh, right now, his total sitting at 57.5. Uh, and Cooper Cups is sitting at 93.5, which is a lot of yards, obviously, but very doable for Cooper Cup. Yeah, I guess no, without Tredavious White, like that's probably why it's at, in the 90s, not like the low 80s or high 70s. Um, I would go with A-Rob on the 51 for sure, I think, because I I think A-Rob just, we've seen it so many times with receivers where once they finally get a consistent, good quarterback, and this is the best quarterback he's ever played with, like yeah, they finally find their rhythm. And A-Rob has found rhythm, but like never consistent year over year and i i hope for his sake this is finally the time so yeah i like that total for him man i feel like he'll have a, a really good game and uh, i feel like he's gonna get a score like for him let me see if they, they have a touchdown total for him uh they only have him for cooper cup right now at 0.5 receiving touchdowns so he always I think for scores, sure he, sco- he scores he always game. scores he always so annoying he always scores 
Uh, now I'm thinking about the yards. 93 is a lot. I might go under on that if I had to. Under on the yards. I think that's a good number for him. They got they got Matt yeah. Stafford projected for uh, 265 yards. So I feel like that's a good number because if you're getting 93 yeah. out of Cup, you're getting 50, right. say 60 to 80 out of Allen Robinson. Those are the main hogs for that team anyway when it comes to the receiving game. Right. I like the over with Cup, and I like the over with uh, with Allen Robinson. Do you think that Stafford's elbow is more concerned, concerning than they're letting on? Because they've talked about how it could be a potential problem for him all season long. Yeah, I don't know. I, I right. I think it's more of like a long term concern than short term, where like they can adjust the game plan game by game early on to be like get him through it to make sure he's okay, but can still play and impact the game. But long term, like I hope it's not. It's a weird. Um, it's a weird injury that like will affect his throwing motions and stuff like that throughout. So I, I'm hopeful it's not, right. um, I'll, I'll trust them. I'll say, no, it's not going to be an issue, but I hope it's not. Tell me I want my fantasy teams. I'm really hoping. It's, yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, it's, it's all about the fantasy team. If, if it works for your fantasy team, we need it to happen. If it exactly, doesn't work, exactly. you don't want it to happen. <laughs> but if it isn't, if it is a problem, um, you can expect them to lean on the run game a little bit more. And we haven't talked about Cam Akers yet, who's coming off Achilles injury. He played last year, superhuman yeah. uh, recovery time, came and played in the playoffs, but then we saw him kind of struggle. He didn't, he didn't look like his old self and he's sitting right now uh, at 43 and a half rushing yards, which to me seems a little bit low. Yeah, they're definitely going to use Daryl Henderson more than people think, especially early on in the season until they know Akers is like really going to be good to go. I, everyone has been everyone posts about it, talks about it, how coming off an Achilles injury, especially as a running back, never works out and you never get back to where you're yeah. supposed to get to. You're always under expectations, which I understand, like a tough injury to come back from. No one's also ever come back, like you said, in this fashion. He was literally back last year. It makes no sense. I was like, what? Yeah, this guy's no a monster. Well, but I think also- they're going to use Henderson more. That's the problem. So. Yeah, they also said that Cam said he feels better than he's ever felt. You know, I know he had the soft tissue injury this preseason, but we hear that all the time. He's young. It's like we've even really, you know, he has right. a lot of time uh, to to play in his career. Right now, you mentioned Darrell Henderson taking over some of the workload. Uh, 27 and a half yards rushing. Is yeah, his, I think he's over under. I think I would, ta- I would take the over, especially in the early, early week games where like, he is not going to be like this fantasy guy to go pick up and play tomorrow night in week one. But right. I think that he is a legitimate handcuff. And in a system like they have, they have never really leaned on one guy unless they had to. They had no choice to, uh, especially in the run game. And I think they're going to they're gonna try to cause havoc. Like Sean McVay's goal is going to be like, let's use every weapon we have so that they have no idea what, where we're going against. That's what they've done for years with Cooper yeah. Cup. And then with OBJ, they brought in, like you said, like all these different guys, receivers that they've had and tight ends in the last few years that I think they're going to just try to use everybody. Yeah. I could see him having a really balanced approach, but I think that total for Cam Akers is sitting a little too low. Even mm. if he gets 15 carries, unless he's at like two yards a carry, no, he's yeah. going to hit that number. Like to, I feel like 15 carries is, you know what I mean? Like I feel like at least he's getting that. Darrell Henderson probably too. He'll see eight to 10 carries and it wouldn't be surprising if he hits that number as well. So I like right. both of those, uh, both those guys in the running game. Yeah. And then, and then lastly, let's talk about the running backs for the, for the bills. Obviously they drafted James Cook to come in. Um, and a lot of people were comparing him to like potentially Alvin Kamara, Josh, uh, Jamal Charles esque, where he's going to be a receiving back electric receiving back out the backfield. Uh, Devin Singletary, a forgotten man. His total is sitting at 45 and a half yards right now. He had like a decent end of the year last year too. I think people forget that and that he was like a very viable option for them and dependable for them the entire season or the, especially the latter of the season. But um, yeah, that's a tough one. Cause like it's a similar to acres line, right? But you yeah. know that they're going to run the ball far less the bills far, far less. Yes. Josh Allen's going to run the ball a lot more. 
And I don't have the trust to go on Singletary's over at least. Um, the line is so low that like I wouldn't go under either. But uh, Cook is an interesting one. Like you said, he's going to take away a lot, of, a lot of touches also. And when they run screens and small plays and, and short passes to Cook out of the backfield, to them that's like running the ball. So they're not right. going to supplement that with more runs to Singletary. They're just going to take away and carve out. Right. No, and, you know, I think one of the things with this, you know, with rookies a lot of times is in the fantasy world, which often translates into the betting world, we assume rookies are going to come in and just perform like they did in college. Or they're going to come in and have an instant impact. They're all going to be Jamar Chase or they're all going to come in and and just do be Najee Harris and have this full workload. Not every rookie is like that. It takes some rookies time, you know, to to see that full workload. We'll talk about one, I'm sure, here in the uh, in the next few minutes. We talk about Michael Carter, but sometimes it Mm -hmm. takes rookies a time, a little bit of time throughout the season to get in and have a workload. They have to earn that spot. And right now, Devin Singletary is the guy. They also have Mm -hmm. a, a, a guy that's trying to prove himself in Zach Moss who they drafted in a very similar draft capital position. So to me, I'm not all in on the James Cook uh, bandwagon yet, but I'm not too confident in that 45 and a half when it comes to Devin Singletary. Yeah, that's fair. All right, so predict the score. If you got to predict the score right now, obviously the total is sitting at 52 and a half, minus two and a half line, so it implies somewhere around that 27 to 24 type range. Mm. Where are you at on this game? Uh, I, I think it's going to get close. I think it's going to be at the line. That they're, they, there's no way that both teams don't score 20. No chance that they don't, they, at least. Um, I could definitely see it being in the, both in the 30s. Like, I, if that happens, I'm like, yeah, you know what? That makes sense. Rams offense, Bills offense. I'll go 27-23 Bills. 27-23 Bills. I like it. So, taking the Bills and the under. Yeah. Bills and the under. All right. I'm going to go with 28-20 to 20 Bills. Okay. 28-20. So I'm kind of feeling the same way. I don't think this is going to be some super shootout, but I do think the Bills handle business. I think the Rams – I think that elbow is going to be a big topic throughout the week, man. Yeah, I'm hopeful. I mean, we got one day, right? So I hope (laughs) he's going to play. Like, as long as he can throw the ball at all, he's going to play. So I'm hoping for your fantasy team. It's not. And speaking of fantasy, let's get into the Jets and talk about Uh the Jets' fantasy option. This section is called the Zero RB. How you feel about that name, the Zero RB? A lot of people come on, they're like, man, I hate Zero RB. I hate it, despise it. <laughs> That's why I like the name of the segment that way. Yeah. It's, it, you know, it's caused a commotion. It always does, man. And I, I feel like people just, they either are one way or the other. Like, you truly believe in Zero RB, or you're like, I don't want to see Zero RB ever in my life. I'm always taking running backs. I'm pretty, I'm against it for myself, but I, I, I can appreciate the ambition of doing it because it's bold. Yeah, it's bold. If it, if it works, it works, you know, but... Um, you're a Jets fan. We got to talk Jets, man. Jets if you on the show, we talking Jets. So yeah. the Jets don't have a lot of top-end fantasy yeah. options, but there's a lot of dark horse value <laughs> on this team. And when we start at the, the running back position, uh, Brees Hall is the name that everybody knows and loves. This was drafted. Um, explosive, dynamic player. What are your expectations for him coming into this season? He, he's awesome. He's a great player. I'm excited to, to have him. And we mentioned the Niners, like uh, running backs, and they're kind of going to do a similar system, um, which is not good for fantasy owners or Brees Hall. Right. But I think season long and future keeper leagues, dynasty, like he is a guy you want to have. I get that. Even if they, he is going to split a backfield in some capacity forever. But at the early weeks of this year, he's not going to be amazing. He might get you seven, eight points, and you're going to be like, why did I draft a rookie so early? 
because he's going to get maybe like 10 to 12 rushes, a couple targets, and like that's really it. Because Michael, Car- Michael Carter is listed as RB1 right now. I don't know if people know yeah, that. He but he is the running back one. They're probably going to dead even split snap count is my guess. And Carter will be more in the receiving game and out of the gun and stuff like that. Um, but with Flacco, the game plan does kind of change. So maybe they will load up Brees a little more than they would have beforehand. Uh, I just still think that it's going to take a lot of time. And Brees could be like a really good trade candidate after week three, four, five, where you're like, oh, he only scored one touchdown. He's got like a couple of really bad games. And like target him there and look at his snap count. Look at the types of plays that he's in on and stuff like that throughout the week. So. That's a hell of a point, man, because you got to, in fantasy, you got to be sneaky with these trades. And yeah. Brees Hall is the guy that people are going, oh, maybe he's not that good. Oh, yeah. he's not getting the workload. And then you'll see like week nine, week 10, he's just going to start getting more carries once his Jets team is in the gutter. I hate to break it to yeah. you. I mean, the, yeah. <laughs> but he is a player that I would consider, if I have him, I might be trying to trade him right now, trying to level up a little bit. If not, just hold tight. Hold tight. Right. Don't don't trade low. Don't give him away because Michael Carter is going to have an impact uh, early on. You mentioned it, him being the starter. He's going to be involved in the receiving game. Did you like what you saw out of Michael Carter last season? Michael Carter, for a lot of reasons, is my favorite player on the Jets. Like he's literally my favorite player on the Jets for he's I like how he plays. I like his mentality and some of that. He's a good player. He's also like just him as a person that I've gone to learn throughout the last couple of years. Uh, he's, he's awesome. He's really likable and personable, but on the field, I thought he was great last year, and he, when he was relied on as the bulk carrier and the bulk touch uh, running back in the backfield, he was good, and he produced a lot as like a really, really underrated rookie last year. Even when he was splitting with like Ty Johnson and Tevin Coleman at times, like he was still getting his behind a really bad old line with Zach Wilson in and out of it with an injury. And I think any kind of sustainable and consistency for him, if Brees Hall wasn't here, he would be like a really, really good rb2 option in fantasy football but um i think he's gonna be good i think he's gonna be better than people think i think he's going like the 101 to 120 spot in adp which way honestly, after breeze which is like i get it but you're in a ppr league you should have drafted him in round eight honestly nine and he he's worth it the jets options get faded a lot now here's the trick question do you think they will both be productive all season long uh to an extent if we're talking fantasy like Yes, they're both worthy of having – I think they're both going to be flex options, I think, throughout the entire year. I didn't draft Brees in one single league because he's going so high. Like, it's just not worth it for me. Right. Um, and I wanted to because as a Jets fan, like, it's exciting to see these guys be fantasy options. And I'm like, oh, my God, I can be so excited about them. Um, but I'm more excited about, like, Elijah Moore and, like, coming to other guys. So Yeah, we'll get to the receivers in just a second because we got there's a lot to, to <laughs> capture there, man, when it comes to the receivers. Brees yeah. Hall is projected for 800 yards, 800.5, and 5.5 touchdowns on prize picks where you can get 100% deposit match when you use the code JHAN with a three instead of an E. <laughs> Which one of those you like? Touchdowns for sure. I like touchdowns for sure. Five and a half, like – He's going to be the goal line carrier when they're and like they might run a couple of trick plays and play action with Zach. But like think about how many times every single team gets the goal line. He's he's a really good, strong carrier through traffic. I think like anywhere within 10 yards when he gets a carry, he's destined to score a touchdown there. And yeah. I think like you see similar things with like Damian Pierce is another rookie who they similar goal line mentality and stuff like that. So I think he I think five and a half touchdowns is, is a good one. Um, 800 yards in That's 17 high. games if he plays all 17, obviously. That's tough. I, I would I get the over, especially if Flacco is going to be the running uh, the running back the quarterback for the first yeah. two weeks. But that's tough. Yeah, I feel like eight hundred is tough, especially when you're splitting carries early on in your career. Yeah. 
and we saw him kind of struggle in preseason too. I don't think he'll struggle all season long or struggle for that right. long because he's a dynamic player. But uh, there are we gotta at times we forget some of these rookies will play like rookies at times. And everybody, you know, the the common thing we, right. I talked about it earlier is that there's been one rookie who always finishes in the top ten. I think we're all crowning Brees Hall as that guy because of the talent is just the situation. I don't think top dictates 10, it. Yeah, top ten. No running backs, no shot. There's no shot. No, not no shot, but like. I just I don't see him getting that many efficient touches on the year, unless Carter goes down. Like that's I knock him when I hope not. That's that's my guy. Yeah. But I like I just I don't see him being able to put up numbers over guys like Saquon and Alvin Kamara who are gonna be yeah. like the dudes and like you know what you're getting out of those guys as long as they're healthy. Yeah, I don't even see so. a rookie in this class that's like a top twelve. Right. I honestly, option. if if Pierce did, I get the hype of Damian Pierce. I have him in a couple leagues because of the value. Yeah. I just like. He's, he's not a, sh- a sure thing, top 15, top 20 running back like people want to believe. But with the Texans, it's just him and Rex Burkhead. So, like, you're like, all right, you know what? In that case, if he's putting up 14, 15 points a week and he's scoring almost every week, like, it makes sense because of who else is on the team. Yeah, yeah. If, if Damian Pierce finishes that top 15, I got a lot of crow to eat because I've been calling him <laughs> mid all offseason, man. So that he might would not be a, be a great – he's not an like amazing running back. He's good, but, like – Running backs are very like systematic positions, so yes, yeah. So he looked. I mean, he looked good in preseason. I got it. I got to give it to him. Right. I was wrong about him being mid. I don't think I'm gonna be wrong about him being top fifteen though. Yeah, that's bold. Yeah, but another rookie on the on the squad at the receiver position. The Jets did really <laughs> good this offseason in the draft. Yeah. Uh, Garrett Wilson. Um, what are your thoughts on Garrett Wilson? Do you think he'll be productive like this season, or just what are your expectations overall with Garrett Wilson? Yeah, I think he's a he's a long term guy for sure. I think he has like wide receiver one upside. The way Elijah plays is very much like a wide receiver two. Loves getting in the slot. Mm-hmm. Loves loves tearing up zone defense and stuff like that. I think Garrett has the dominance of like his p- <clears throat> potential and the dominance of how he plays to really take over and be wide receiver one, like we wanted Corey Davis to be, but he's not. Right. right. So I think next year, maybe year three, like that's when Garrett's gonna really be like Garrett and Elijah, and like maybe Corey's thrown in there. They kind of mix the three. To start this season, Garrett's like he's gonna be take a little bit of a backseat. He's gonna have a couple games this year where you're like, shit, this guy, he is going off. He is good. Yeah. And you can just see it in the way he runs routes, the way he is contested catchability and stuff like that. I just like in terms of production year one, fantasy wise and stuff like that, like I'm not a buyer on him this year. Um, I think he's good I think he's a good guy to have in Dynasty too. A lot of like a lot of young guys are, but he like he's wide receiver one in the class to me. I thought he was. I think he's better than Drake London as a prospect. Right. But production-wise, he's not going to come anywhere near that. Yeah, I just I don't see a path. You know, what I mean, like you when you look for paths for production, I just don't see it, especially with the Elijah Moore breakout that's that happened last year and is expected oh, yeah. to continue throughout this year. I just don't see it. And then Flacco starting early on too, I think hinders a little bit of his development with Zach Wilson. So I can see an extended stretch down at the end of the season, maybe if if it's come week fourteen or thirteen, and we're like, hey, they're trying to implement Garrett Wilson a little bit more into the offense. I can see him taking that leap then. But for the first part of the season, I think this is a guy, if you drafted him, you're going to be highly disappointed and probably drop after a few weeks yep. because I'm not expecting the production to be there. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he'll be like every, you could say that about like 90% of any pick after round like 11 or 12, if they're yeah. going to be on free agency within a couple of weeks. And he'll probably be one of them where people will get frustrated, especially with Flacco. People might be doing it now. They're like, oh, Flacco's playing. Like, what's the point? So, right. 
Well, you mentioned Elijah Moore. I was trying to pull up numbers for Moore or Wilson. They are off the board right now, um, probably because of the, the Zach Wilson yeah. injury and, and just the uncertainty there. <laughs> Uh, but with Elijah Mitchell, there, or Elijah Moore, excuse me, there was a lot. Uh, there's a lot of hype right now about him. There's a lot to be excited about. He's a dynamic player, and we saw him last year uh, have a, have a really big impact for the Jets' receiving game. Um, do you think that he? I know you mentioned him being like a wide receiver too. Do you think he can be in that elite core, like that top twenty, top twenty-five this season? Uh, 25. That's tough because there's a lot of there's a lot of solid ass number twos and there's some solid ones that you'd have to yeah. drop out of there in order to put him top 25. I think I had him like 36 or something like that in my range. Yeah, he, he can open it up and top, like if you told me he ended top 25, and like a hunt, it could happen. You tell me the future, like okay, I, he had a great year with like Flacco news doesn't doesn't make me any more worried. He was actually Flacco's favorite target last year for a lot of good reasons. His style, like. Relies a lot of times on short plays and short catches and yards after catch at times, and he's really good at like he's a really smart receiver, finding the gaps, exploiting defenses and players, especially in, like I said, zone coverage. Um, so I think he's going to be awesome this year. I drafted him in everywhere I could in fantasy, unbiasedly. I just think like unbiasedly. What would you get like as your wide receiver two, wide, wide no, receiver three? Like he, I, I, I think in a lot of leagues, I have him in like two or three leagues where one he's my wide receiver four, or another he's okay. my three, and he'll be my flex like. Because he's that. not going to – people aren't going to reach in the 60s for him. If they do, then, like, you know what? Here you go. I'll take, like, Rashad Bateman instead, like, stuff like that. Right. But in the range of, like, him, I like I like Brandon Ayuk also. But, like, guys like that, like, I love I love both those guys. But Elijah is, like, the cream of the crop of when you think of mid-round receiver, like we talked about before. I mentioned, like, that's where you win your leagues. Mid-round receivers that can be your flex and wide receiver two. You could trade up for wide receiver one throughout the year. I think Elijah is one of those guys. Yeah, I've had trouble with Elijah Moore because I recognize the talent and I have to be able to to put that at the forefront. But then I also recognize the organization. And it's going to be a run-first team with the quarterback situation that I expect to be better next season with Zach Wilson. Yeah. But I'm not expecting him to be elite this season, So even when he returns. So for me, it's it's tough because Elijah Moore is there. They're, they're obviously invested in making the receiving game a little bit better by drafting Garrett Wilson. Corey Davis is still there and Braxton Berrios resigned. So I feel like this is more of a spread it out type offense, not one dominant receiver. So I had a little bit of hesitation when it came to Elijah Moore uh, in the passing game. So I'm not, I'm not pumping. I'm not, I'm gonna pump the brakes a little bit on Elijah Moore. I'm not putting him there in that wide receiver three conversation, but if he, like you mentioned, if he got there, it wouldn't be all that surprising. Yeah, I think he's going to be like overliable for quarterbacks. It's like I keep talking about the style of play and how talented he is. Like, he, the way Corey Davis plays, a lot of big plays, a lot of a lot of vertical play and stuff like that, which is going to be tough with inconsistent quarterback play and not good quarterback play in general, like Joe Flacco. Yeah. So I think Elijah really is the epitome of like when in doubt, we need to go back to we need to use who we can, our best player, and like what's the easiest option for us. So that's why I'm confident Elijah is going to be fine no matter who's playing quarterback. All right, well, you mentioned Joe Flacco, obviously. He's not the long-term solution there. But I do want to talk about Zach Wilson because mm -hmm. I haven't been the biggest Zach Wilson fan, and I'm waiting to hear some optimism from somebody who's a little bit closer to the team. So I haven't been the biggest Zach Wilson fan, and obviously there was a bunch of news this offseason that he embraced about becoming that dog and having that dog in him. <laughs> um, <laughs> but where are you at with Zach Wilson uh, just overall in his development year two? Yeah, I'm a believer. Um I'm a believer in him overall. Like, I'm optimistic about him and his abilities. Like his physical ability, we I saw. I was at every Jets game last year, every home game, season tickets. I'm watching every week. Like, I watch every single ounce of Zach Wilson I possibly could. He has some kind of crazy physical abilities that people just don't have. Like 
he doesn't have Mahomes' ability. I am not saying that. Right. But the style in which he goes about things is like so unique and so special. I really do think that. I believe that. And going into the draft, I believe that. When he was at BYU, I was like, this kid, this kid is crazy, like what he's doing. And that gives me a lot of like not confidence, but like optimism. But the same thing, I saw the same thing in like Drew Locke. And people, that's true. Like Drew Locke has a lot of those abilities that Zach Wilson has. And like, yeah. But it never became consistent. Injuries, the system he was in. And just basically him playing inconsistent and like off throwing off balance and or sorry off balance off target and stuff like that. Um, I like Zach. Now I'm getting worried with the injuries because I think once you get yeah. end end of year two, if you haven't proven anything by two years, like we've seen that with every quarterback possible, if you haven't proven that you could be a franchise quarterback at the end of year two, then like you're gonna struggle. And I think we're seeing that now with Tua, where he's been given a little bit of an yeah, extra time with one more year, but Zach's kind of being in that same pit, so. It kind of feels like the last straw with Tua, like if he doesn't perform this year. And I think Zach Wilson will get this year before it's ride or die time. Like, yeah, like year three, all eyes will be on Zach Wilson. And if he's not performing early on, he'll get the plug pulled on him. Like I can see Zach Wilson coming back this year and having a decent year. Now, I think he still needs more time to develop. He needs the weapons around him to fully develop. A lot of young pieces in that surrounding and supporting cast, when you're talking about Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall, obviously, and Elijah Moore and Michael Carter. Like, the the offense is is pretty young. Um, But I also look at this four-game stretch that he's going to be out for, and that's more development time. That's more on-field time. And it's going to push progression back even further. So I was not optimistic about Zach Wilson coming into this year. I know he had a pretty good stretch towards the end last year. But for me... I have concerns, especially when we're talking about making other players fantasy relevant. Do you think Zach Wilson can be, when he plays, do you think he can be a QB2-ish type player, or are you thinking he's going to need another year to reach that level of, like, I feel comfortable starting him in a bye week? Yeah, they, they I 100% think he's, like, I wish he was playing because I think that he needs those weeks to feel consistent and be okay. But overall, I do think he is, like, fantasy relevant as, like, a backup. Maybe, like, stream him if you need to later on in the season. Um, I, I just know the way the Jets run the offense and the way they are giving him freedom to run. They give him goal line t- like carries and touches and like design plays for him to get yards on the ground and get in the end zone walking in uh, and deep play, big big playability. Like we saw that last year, a couple of plays yeah. with Corey Davis and Elijah, even Brett Braxton Berrios, like you said. I think because of that, he has some fantasy relevance, but he's not going to be your solution if you don't if you didn't draft the quarterback early. So. Yeah, I'm out on Zach Wilson, man. Hate to say it. Even though he's uh, it's, all right. it's, I'm, it's yeah. fine. It's another cougar hunter. You know what? I'm used to it. I'm used to everyone doing this. Everyone saying this. I don't care. I wish I could say the same about Trey Lance because I am very in on Trey Lance. Woo, so. Trey man, Trey Lance. I, Trey Lance. <laughs> I could do a whole. I could do a whole hour on Trey Lance. Probably a whole day on fucking Trey Lance. I love man. You see the Niners yeah. stuff in the back. You know how I feel about Trey Lance. I feel like he's gonna have an amazing year. Do you think the Jets should have taken Trey Lance? I, I wanted them to. Um, I like understood both ways, and like I'm not the massive college football fan, but when it gets towards the end of the season, especially, and then in the off season during when the draft is coming, uh, and when, when my team needs a quarterback, I'm going to study and I'm going to learn everything I can about these guys. Uh, Zach and Trey Lance were the two guys. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence was never going to fall. Um, that I, I wanted one of them. I knew we were going to take one of them. I just didn't think Lance – like, remember at the draft, we didn't know Lance was going to get go to the Niners at three thinking until – Mac Jones might even be there. Right. So, like, I'm thinking, like, damn, like, I really like this Trey Lance kid from North Coast State. Like, I think he's awesome. The mobile quarterbacks, the the dual threat are so special. And, like, Zach yeah. has a little bit of that in him, but it's a much different, like, thing with Trey Lance. And 
I think Trey is going to go off this year. So. I do too, man. I, you know, I kind of wish went to the Jets, and I think it would have been we would have had a whole different narrative on this kid, Justin Fields. I feel like Justin Fields to the know, Jets right? might have been really good for both teams, for the Jets and for Justin Fields himself. Oh, like, I feel he's like fun this, to watch. The situation just would. I, I he's I screwed. Think, he's screwed. I like this him. year. He's screwed. he's screwed, bro. Like he has yeah. no receiving options. Like the they offense suck. is going to be terrible. They could literally be the worst team. If you told me they won one game this year, wouldn't be surprised at all. They're that wouldn't bad. Shock you. Yeah, they're so bad. I cannot. I. It's shock. It really is shocking that they're that bad after they drafted a rookie quarterback, their franchise quarterback. And I think he's going to get the the thing that Drew Locke got that all that I've been mentioning, like all these guys that like Baker that were given the chance in maybe not the best systems and setups for them, and then they get screwed yeah. after. That's it. I said this about Fields coming out. So a lot of people. I talked to like a lot of dynasty players, a lot of right. people that watch college and they're like, you know, the talent with Justin Fields is amazing. That Chicago situation is bad if you don't have help. Like if you don't have help in the ground game because it's not just it's not just the fact that they're a defensive run oriented team. Like they'll always be that because of where they play. Chicago's the Windy City for a reason. It's tough for quarterbacks. He has a strong arm obviously, but it's tough for quarterbacks. They're not going to throw 40 times, 50 times right. during down the stretch of the season. Like, for fantasy purposes, Justin Fields has never been that guy that's going to have an elite season, and it's going to be tough, especially without the complimentary weapons. So I feel bad for the kid, man. It feels like any any Chicago – we like, when you talk about Jay Cutler, uh, all the quarterbacks that have been in Chicago, there's not really ever been an elite top 10 option out of Chicago. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. And that's, like, A-Rob going off and doing his thing with Stafford is – I think we're going to see that, like – and he has Mooney and like Cole Komet and Monty behind a terrible oh. line. That's the bad. That's bad. Oh. They talk about mid. That's a mid. Like, <laughs> actually, and those are decent players. I'm not trying to knock players. I, yeah. I hate when people are like, this guy sucks. Like, I never yeah. say this guy. Like, they're good. Mooney's awesome. Everyone loves Darnell Mooney, but like, he's alone. He's but literally you alone. You can say mid for the value. Like, I, yeah, yeah, I, okay. I get what you're saying. Like, you're not going to say somebody sucks. They're NFL players. At the end of the day, they're all They'll way cook better my ass, than – they're Yeah, they're all going <laughs> to cook all of us, right? But Darnell Mooney is probably a number two. Like, yeah. just just being frank, he's a number two playing a number one role right now, which I actually think that about Allen Robinson too. Like, yeah. I think Allen Robinson is a high is – is a wide receiver one on a bad team. Yeah. But he's a very elite wide receiver two on a good team. He's always That's been on how, a bad team, so <laughs> yeah. So um, let's get let's get to some numbers. I got some numbers for you. I want you to try to guess the players. So I'll read guess the numbers the out. We had a little fun with this uh, before. I'll read the numbers out, and I want you to try to guess the player. And bonus points if you say if you're in or out on this player for fantasy purposes. Got it. All right. So last season, this player played all 17 games, had 75 catches, had 12 receiving touchdowns. It is currently going as the wide receiver 23 in fantasy drafts. I'm not going to give you the yardage. So just okay. to repeat that. Yeah, do it one more time. <laughs> 17, he played all 17 games, had 75 catches. 75 catches. 12 receiving touchdowns. It is going as the wide receiver 23. I have a guess. I have a guess. I have two guesses, I think. Um, they're – Diff, very different players. Um, I'm out on both actually for this year. So okay, uh, if I have it right, 17 games is a huge thing because like people don't play. Once you said like when you said 12 touchdowns, my mind was going before you said wide receiver 23. I was like thinking like Mike Evans, red zone threats. I'm right. like Mike Evans is never playing 17 games in his career. God bless him. Um, <laughs> but like his, his hamstrings just don't hold up. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm 23. 
I'm thinking about like where that goes in the draft and trying to remember all the drafts. I'm, my guess is Amon Ross St. Brown. Incorrect. And my you, other you said guess, you had two, you had two yeah. players. 23. I know this guy's not 23. I was going to say Tyler Lockett, but I, that's, he's way he's way lower than 23. Yeah, he's way lower than 23. Same team, though, DK Metcalf. DK 23. DK yeah. Metcalf going wide receiver 23 in drafts. He's been falling lately. I think that Geno Smith being the quarterback has yeah. kind of tempered expectations for a lot of people. Yeah, he's going. He, I've seen him go in like round six at times and like or, or late five. I think that's like, I get he's on a bad team in a bad situation, but you got to take talent at some point. Like, I think, what do they say? People say that fantasy upside is like, uh, you take the talent plus the opportunity. Yep. And if you have one of them, you're at least going to be decent and relevant. And I think he is a very good, I think he's going to end up being a good wide receiver too. I think people are just like, they're going to pepper him with targets and touches and stuff like that. Like, he's going to get the ball. If people don't realize that. The Geno Smith can throw a ball. Drew, Drew Locke exactly. can throw a ball to him. Like, it's going to be fine for him. It's not going to be great. He's not going to be as good as, like, the guys like Terry and AJ that he normally is. Mm-hmm. But he's going to be right behind them, I think. Well, in a, in a six-game stretch last year when Russell Wilson was hurt, he had five touchdowns. So, to me, I don't get this concern about him being ineffective throughout that time. Like, I think DK Metcalf is going to be fine. I think the panic is just, like, we didn't know the, the Seattle quarterback situation. Right. We know Geno's there now. We've seen DK with Geno be fantasy relevant. So to me, I'm like, how are we just going to discount this guy? The talent, you mentioned the talent opportunity type thing. Like the talent sometimes just prevails. Like you you have to trust in the talent. He's not going to fall to this guy who's 800 yards and five touchdowns. I left the yards off. It was 900 and it was 967. So he didn't have a thousand yards last year. I still would have guessed Amon Ra, but I know he didn't score 12 touchdowns. That's crazy. But he probably had a similar year on stats, yeah. maybe. So you said so. you were out on Amon Ra St. Brown. Before I get into these other players, you said you were out on Amon Ra St. Brown. Why is that? Just just because of the value, like just because where he's going. Like people are taking him at the fit, like before DK at times. I'm like, that's yes. crazy to me. That is ins- <laughs> like he's he had a great end of the year last year, but we talk about talent opportunity. He's He's talented enough. But it was all opportunity for him last year, yes. and that changes this year. They bring in more guys and like more healthy and a lot of more healthy guys. Like his opportunity is going down. It's not gonna like people want him to be exactly what he was for the last six weeks of the year yes. last year. There's no way he does that all year. No chance. Yeah. And I think There's he's decent, but value wise, no chance. No chance he does that. No. And I think he he's even recognized that. He said that out. He said, um, "I'm not expecting to see the same amount of targets because yeah. we have a a lot of talented guys on this team." When you're talking Jameson? about teacher, Oh man, James is going to be nice, nicer than people think. If you if he's chilling on your waivers, put him in your IR spot. Pick him up, put him on yep. your IR spot. I said this. I think that he can have that OBJ type of impact. Remember when OBJ was on? Yes. He was hurt for the first few games, and then he came back in and exploded for the second half. Yeah. I think that might be Jameson Williams this year. I did that in in I think two I think that it in two leagues where I had the opportunity to in a snake draft. At the end of the draft, mm-hmm. I picked him up. I didn't draft a kicker. I don't need a kicker. And yep. I put him in an IR and then picked up a kicker. It's that See, simple. And people are like, man. what are you do? What are you doing? Already making a move. I was like, I need a kicker. I'm smart like, man. pretty simple. Yeah. I think people you gotta take that strategy into account. All right. Yeah. So we covered DK, obviously. Um, let's move on to the next player. This next player is a tight end mm-hmm. who played who finished as the tight end. Last year he was the tight end. I cannot find it, but he finishes the tight end five <laughs> two okay. years ago, right? Two years, so his ago. Num- two years ago, he did. Last okay. year, his numbers were 40, uh, 475 yards receiving and four touchdowns. And four touchdowns. I don't get any other stats, right? 
You know, and it was number 24. He was number 24. So I butchered this whole thing. He was the wide receiver. He was a tight end 24 last season, and it was three years ago he was a tight end 10. Tight end 10? Yes. And you said he was tight end five two years ago? Yes. Um, no, he was, he was tight end 10 three years ago. He was not tight end five uh, okay. two years ago. This is tough. So it's it's a slightly older guy. Like, it's not going to be any of Fryermuth or whatever, or even like Hawkinson probably. Um, trying to think of either guy who didn't produce last year or didn't play, like health-wise. Because my, my mind went to Kittle when you said tight end five at first. But yeah. I know that he's been above tight end 10 for sure. Kittle's last... actually been over tight end for besides last year in points per game. He has been right. top four for the last four seasons. Exactly. That, well, that's a whole nother conversation. I'm very, very <laughs> in on Kittle for the value this year. Yes. Uh, but that's part of like la- the Lance theory. T- okay. All right, let me keep you. <laughs> um, he was tight end. So he didn't produce a lot last year. I'm sorry if I'm taking too much time. I'm just trying to no, think. No, you're good. Take all the time um, you need. Tight end 10 three years ago, right? You said? Yep, three years ago. And last year he did not do well. So 400 yards, four touchdowns. Um, My guess, I don't even know if he's still in the league anymore. I'm going to skip him. I don't know. My guess is like Gerald Everett or something like that. Oh, close. So it's very similar range in the drafts right now. David Njoku. Ah, okay. That, that makes sense. David Njoku right now, and he's going as the tight end 15 right now. I think Gerald Everett's going a couple spots after him. Yeah, but he's seen his ADP kind of rise now that, you know, now that we know what's going on with Deshaun and everything, and we know that Jacoby Brissett uh, relies a lot on his tight end. Right. Are you are you in on David Njoku at all? Because I have him as a sleeper tight end. I, I want to know how you feel about him. I'm a strong believer in, like, premium tight ends because when the end-all be-all in the season, when you have an advantage at a position like that and also a quarterback, you're looking back at your decisions like, I am the best ever. I, yeah, I'm very happy with what I did. <laughs> so I think that in the draft, though, after Kelsey, Andrews, even Pitts, and Kittle, if you want to put Waller in there, like Waller's yeah. 50-50. But after the top five, there's a drop-off. And then even after Hawkinson and like top seven, I think it is, there's a huge drop-off. So if you don't get a top seven guy, honestly, even a top five, you can wait. You don't have to force yourself to draft Noah Fant or Cole Komet a little early. I would wait for Njoku or Irv Smith or something like that. Like I think there's a lot of value in those guys, and they're going to be just as good yeah. as, like I said, Gerald Everett, whoever. Yeah, they have the same upside. Like if you're looking at some of those guys in the back end, the Zach Ertz of the world, the the Dalton, no need uh, Dawson Knox. Yeah, you can go get David Njoku five rounds later yeah. and have yourself a solid backup tight end, or potentially, shit, he might end up starting on a few teams. Yeah, exactly. Knox is a weird one too, because like he's had some weeks with with just a ridiculous amount of red zone targets and touchdowns. Yes. I feel like if Gabe Davis does what everybody's expecting him to, <laughs> Dawson Knox ain't going to be what we think he is. But I think Dawson Knox has a place in the red zone. You see it a yeah. lot with mobile quarterbacks. They dictate a lot of linebacker coverage. And so it frees things up for the tight end. So for me, uh, I do like Dawson. I, I like Dawson Knox like in that Pat Fryermuth range. Yeah, I like that too. All right. So this quarterback was 28th in fantasy points per game. 28th. Yep, he played in 13 <laughs> games. Second half of the year, he was much better than the first. He had 2,664 2, yards passing, 16 passing touchdowns. Currently, he's being drafted outside of the top uh, 25 quarterbacks. He is quarterback 27 right now, but a lot of people say he has upside. I have my I have my person I thought of right away. I probably should think about it a little more, but I'm not going to because I don't care. Um <laughs> Appreciate my you keeping an- it real. <laughs> my answer is Davis Mills. Boom, baby. There we go. Davis Mills. And 
Davis Mills is a guy that I don't see being a, being a factor in fantasy this year, but there's a lot of people who think that he should be included. We talked about Zach, uh, Zach Wilson, that he should be included in the second-year quarterbacks, potential breakouts. With Lovey Smith there, Damian Pierce kind of elevating this run game, do you think he has a shot of outplaying his draft spot? The run game, a better run game relieves pressure on, on especially a young quarterback, opens up opportunities for him to do other things and opens up the playbook and stuff like that and dictates the defense more. I like Davis Mills when, from when I first started watching him last year, and I'm not like he's not going to be – I have him in – I think I have him in like a dynasty league. It's a great example. I love him in a dynasty league. He's worth nothing. You get him for a dollar in auction draft or last round, yeah. and you let him sit there. He's a starting quarterback. I think that there is a world where the Texans are bad this year. They're going to be bad. Mm-hmm. And Davis Mills plays 15, 16 games. He might miss a game every now and then. I think he plays decent enough, and they don't draft the quarterback in the first round next year. I think there's a legitimate so? world where that happens. And I well, yeah, and I think if they get if they need a guy like Will Anderson out of the draft or something like that, they have a top pick, like they can do that. I really think there's a possibility. Will they do it? I don't know. I just think that like the Texans aren't going to be good this year. They're not going to be good the year after next year either. So if they can give him a little leeway time to see if he's going to work, and you can work on your other positions, I think it makes a lot of sense. A lot of his advanced statistics and efficiency metrics, like they yeah. they support him. They say like give him the chance he deserves. It was the same thing with Jalen Hurts when he people were like, should they actually roll with him this year? Like, and they they rolled with him and he was good. So, I think that I think we'll see some pro- progression out of Davis Mills. I am not in on Davis Mills, but it would not shock <laughs> me. It would not shock me if yeah. he played really well this year. And they they're trying to get him some supporting pieces. We've seen Nico Collins. I, I feel I, oh. he might have a strong year this year. Um, but Brandon Cook's obviously in the run game. I think with good coaching, some of those erratic mistakes he was making last year will be tamed with Lovey Smith. I think they're going to put him in a better position to succeed. I do see a better season for Davis Mills, but he's not the late round guy I want. No, he's yeah. not. They, but like they went, I think they went back and forth on a couple quarterbacks, whether he was injured or not. And like he only played 13 games, yes. where that's a big difference 13 to 16 or even 15 to 17, obviously. Um, and I think. Playing week over week over week, knowing it's his job, is a big thing. It's meant a big thing mentally. So, yeah. All right, man. Well, talk fantasy all day. I can't let you go without at least talking some NBA. A little bit more than just wrestling and the, the Lakers. <laughs> so we go to the other team that everybody talks about, the Nets. Right, KD. They got that whole situation figured out. Air quotes, obviously. Uh, what do you make of this? Because Ben is supposedly on the men coming back. He's talked to Stephen A. Smith about you know he's fully healthy now. Um, what do you think about their situation? They, I, I hope Ben plays. I'm actually a big fan of Ben, like Ben Simmons as a player and stuff like that. And the off the court stuff and behind the scenes is a lot. And I don't, they it's were too weird, hard on him last year. Yeah. At times people were, I also understand it's, it's hard. I understand both sides of it. Um, but I like Ben as a player. They have a, those three, that's a ridiculous three, like probably the best in the league. If you really want to put it up against a bunch of others, I, I don't think, their problem has been depth. Has been depth since they created this with James yeah. Harden as the, in the three. They sacrificed all their depth, trading everybody away, Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, everything to to make a big three. And now that they made a big three, they can't get away from it. So they have yeah. even, whether it's Harden or Simmons or whether it was going to be someone else, even if Donovan Mitchell, whatever it would have been, like they're always going to be that, and that's always going to be the issue. Cam Thomas, I think, is going to be relied on more this year as like a second unit scorer, but. They're always going to have that issue, and when they have any injury, they are going to lose every single time. Every you, single time, you don't they think will they lose. got even with getting like a guy like T.J. Warren or getting Joe Harris back. You think that's enough, or is that 
TJ's a weird one. Like, what do we get at TJ? He's not going to put up 50 point bubble performances. (laughs) Not not only because of who he's playing next to, but because he's not, that's not TJ Warren. Like, I don't know. I don't think that does enough. It could add some scoring, but they don't need scoring. They don't need points. They have Cam Thomas to do that. I I believe that. And they have a second unit score. They have Joe Harris for three and D, like, or just three maybe. But, (laughs) um, but they like, I think they need other things. Like, the Lakers went and got Pat Bev. Not the craziest move, but like, Moves like that that are defenders and can do the little dirty things and things that go beyond the stat sheet, I think go a long way that the Nets didn't really do. So Well, they, they didn't go and go get Donovan Mitchell, pay all Damn everything sure. that they gave up. Like, who do you think won that deal? Because that was I think the Cavs obviously got what they wanted, but the Jazz have every pick from here until 2030 now. The reason why it makes sense well, it makes sense for the Jazz to commit to a full rebuild. The biggest thing for the Jazz heading into the season, I was saying this was they have to trade Donovan before the season because he's going to win you games on his own because he's that good. And if you win games, you're going to have a worse chance at a better draft pick. So he was the like he was the worst thing for the Jazz to have on their yeah. team, as crazy as it sounds. Yeah. The Cavs, people don't, I don't think people realize when you consider that they never wanted Colin Sexton in their long-term plans after heading into free agency. They did not sign him. This gave them a way to get really, really good value out of him. They got what the value that the Knicks were going to get from RJ Barrett in this trade, which is crazy. And they didn't have him on contract. So I think it's a W both ways. The Cavs team is ridiculous. Got him. Basically, they didn't know what they were going to do with Sexton and found an outlet. And then Jazz, to me, the Jazz made out. When you look at what they got for this Rudy Gobert and uh, Donovan Mitchell pairing, bro, they got so many draft picks. They got a lot of young talent, too. Um, to me, I feel like I like what the Jazz did, but it, it, we see it just like OKC. The draft picks out to play out, man. Yeah, I think OKC is starting. Things are turning around. You see the potential starting to form with like SGA, who, to be fair, when they traded for SGA, he was he was a like a rookie second. Or he just finished rookie season, I think it was. He was a second unit guy, a good scorer with potential, but he was not, he was not anything more than another right. young guy. And they proved that with the right opportunity, he can be a star. And I think. Colin Sexton won't be that, but they're gonna they're gonna have got Ochai Baji. I'm a big fan of mm-hmm. like they got a bunch of rookies, Walker Kessler, a bunch of draft picks. And I trust Danny Ainge. If you're a Jazz fan, whoever is out there, the Jazz fan, trust Danny Ainge. We'll I see think what I he did in Boston, that. man. Yeah. All right. Well, Ryan, man, appreciate you coming on, dog. And when NBA season comes up, you already know we're gonna be <laughs> tapping in, man. So, yes, what do you got going on right now? Um, hey, man, I'm just trying to do some, just doing some content work on the uh, the Cavs trade itself. Actually, I was. Okay. In the process of editing a video earlier today for it. Um, and then other than that, man, college basketball is a big thing of mine. I'm excited for it. NFL is coming up. I'm I'm happy to create more on basketball because I can actually be a fan of the NFL yeah. and not worry about so much stuff. Um, so college basketball season coming up. I'm very excited for that, too. Hell yeah, man. Well, this is definitely the uh, busy part for me. So this season, yeah, you- <laughs> NFL is here. I'm going to be ramped up for the next couple of weeks. But definitely we'll tap in with you soon, man. Appreciate you coming on. Yes, sir. I appreciate you. Have a good one. Yes, sir. It does it for the Justin Henry Show. Make sure you guys watch daily Monday through Friday, 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 o'clock Eastern time. And uh, Saturdays, we got the live show as well. Sundays, start and sit. So make sure you guys tune in. Justin Henry Show, we out.